I'm Sean Watson, and you're listening to the Golden Mike Podcast with the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Water Sports' biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on the water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I am the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano. We're coming at you again from Orlando, Florida, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. This podcast is based off the lake life, my passion for toad water sports, and the athletes who have helped sculpt the landscape of the sport we love. Twice a month, I'm chatting it up with the industry's top names, past and present, the riders, and the people behind the scenes who make this world on the water spin. The Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month, both on iTunes and at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. Woodrow's, Hydra Fenders, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards, SUP, Deck Marine Products, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. If you haven't subscribed to the Golden Mike Podcast free on iTunes, please do and don't forget to rate and review the show. Follow me on Instagram at Dano T. Mano and on Twitter at the Dano T. Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or email me goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Today on this 25th almost milestone episode, I welcome my longtime homie, one of my oldest friends, a pioneer of wakeboarding, Shane Bonifay. Shane Danger, as I call him, has had one of the longest careers in the sport and has helped landscape the way people shred today. And, well, pretty much he's been doing it since day number one. I've known Shane for a long, long time. His mom used to come up and give water ski lessons to the girls on my ski club in Wisconsin, the Aquanuts. She brought Shane one year. He must have been only 10 or 11 years old. He was still riding for Conley at the time. He was so young. Shane loved Wisco summers and chilling with our crew, led, of course, by the one and only Eric Ruck. Shane would come into town, and we had a pretty awesome scene in Twin Lakes. There was Ruck, Ruck's brother Mark, Chris Trulson, Harry Mike, and Brian Pytrain, Beads Petrini. We would spend the summer days of 1996, 1997, 98, and even 99 on Lake Mary. And every year, Shane would come up north, stay for a week or a month. He was like a little brother to us. Shane's done so much for wakeboarding. Arguably shadowed by his brother Parks in the early days, Shane always did his own thing, stayed true to himself, his ideals, and Shane created a brand that will certainly go down in the Hall of Fame for sure. I'm excited to have Shane on the Golden Mike podcast for this very special episode, being that it's number 25. So hang tight, take a deep breath, and we'll be back with Shane Danger Bonifay here on the Golden Mike podcast. Hydra boat fenders are innovative, unique, custom-made boat fenders, boat bumpers, and buoys made of quality, long-lasting marine materials that will last for years. Combining incredible softness for maximum cushioning with superior strength and durability, Hydra fenders are the most eye-catching and unique boat fenders on the market. Follow them on Instagram or Twitter at Hydra Fenders or check out the original Skull Fender online at HydraBoatFenders.com. Use promo code MANO2015 for an extra 10% off. Again, that's M-A-N-O-2015 for an extra 10% off at www.hydraboatfenders.com. How do you feel about that? You like that little intro? Yeah, that was a really nice intro. Yeah. I was in a... I, I was very impressed. I couldn't stop smiling, to tell you the truth. It was uh, the history. generous. Very generous. The history. Are you ready for this? I think so. Yeah, I think you are too. This is going to be good. Number 25. The real deal. 
Shane Dange, fresh off the national championship weekend. Thanks for having me over, dude. Yeah, I'm glad you can make it. Dude, what did you think the beginning of that that was kind of getting Wayne's rolled on you, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I I I liked it, man. That was uh that was good. In five, four, and then they go silent and just the fingers. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And then on. Exactly, dude. Fresh off the national weekend, man. Uh, we we had a couple of um we had a couple of uh, Wayne's World references at nationals this last weekend. Yeah, I know. Was, uh, we, well, I mean, within five days of talking, I would hope you would drop one Wayne's World reference. You know, yeah, it was the longest nationals that we've had in in a the really longest long and time. hottest. Like they shouldn't even throw wakeboard events in the middle of july or august or wherever we are right now at least not down in florida not in miami it was so hot and just it was even raining and had a nice little breeze but still was like 104 degrees yeah it was warm man hey so we're here at your house we're we're doing a little mobile mano golden mic this has kind of been our thing here um getting ready to possibly move out of the mini mansion so i'm always trying well, to get what do you mobile. think of my house what do you think of uh sukasa well, or Mikasa? you know I, I was here i was here when you moved in so you, you've definitely come a, a long long way and i know you're always working on new projects so what anything new going on around here or yeah, always tons um i don't know right now i'm just getting back in town after Tons of travel in the summer. Focusing more on blood, the dog. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been a handful this summer, that's for sure. Wait, I never put that together. I'm always like, I'm a hound dog, but he's a bloodhound dog. He's a bloodhound. He's blood the bloodhound, you know. So yeah, you brought you brought blood down to nationals. That was fun. Yeah, he had a good time out there for a few of the days. We needed to take him over to my girlfriend's dad's house for the last few because you know saturday and sunday there's a lot of people out there a lot of a lot of people a lot of work and blood he'll he'll pull you around he goes where he wants to yeah he does he was um he was sort of taking advantage of me here yeah he'll bit. do that too he's uh you know he learns from his daddy so yeah. he, you know he sees something that he likes and he goes for it he goes for it Shane you're one of the uh, clear lake OGs what's been popping in the hood i know i i was living here when you first moved in i moved in with rock but uh, things have slowed down here. People aren't moving in like they used to. Is Clear Lake played out? What's going on around here? Yeah, I think Clear Lake's, uh, I mean, there's been so many people that have lived out here for so long and just the photos aren't, you know, as as good as they once were. You know, the bridge is played out, the downtown Orlando and the backdrops like played out. So photos don't have the the weight that they used to, but even more so, we just don't let anybody move in here anymore. You know I mean? Rock and Jimmy and Colin, we holding it down. We we keep it on lock. We don't. You gotta like go buy us. You know, you gotta ask us first if you can move into the hood. You're not battling with randoms for who gets to get a photo <laughs> shoot in the morning. No, just joking. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, I don't go out there too much because I don't have a boat anymore. So hmm. you know, I got a jet ski, but whenever I go riding, I'm out. I'm going out to either like Henshaw's place, like Area 52, or. Riding that O-Dub or I'm on the road. Yeah, you, I mean, your riding has actually been pretty good. You got uh, third place at Nationals in the uh, Rockstar Big Air Kicker Contest. That yeah, was pretty that was impressive. Was pumped. That was uh, one of uh, my podiums for the season, so at least I could make it by the end of it. And even though it's third, it's still pretty good. Well, you're riding now. You're, you're, in, you're back riding in contest. You're announcing. I mean, you got quite the workload going on. Yeah, the announcing and the wakeboarding in the same contest is it's definitely a handful. You get pretty tired announcing, and then... Whenever you got to drop the mic and run down to the dock and go wakeboard, it it's not really a break, you know. No, I, no, no, no. I do know, with the exception of I don't have to do the riding, but people are people are always like, "Oh, Dano, you're just announcing, you're just talking." Yeah, I'm like, okay, come here, try to try to talk for four to six to eight to ten hours. Yeah, and straight. it's not even just talking; it's the projecting. It's just you know the, the delivery and thinking and watching and. Well, speaking of that, dude, it features only this. And for for some of the listeners who aren't really familiar with with wake, with wake park contests, features only. They put like four to four to five riders on a cableway at one time, and they're only hitting the rails, the kickers, and just the features. Yep. It's not air tricks. So you got like four to five riders on the water, and you have to call out tricks as you see them. Yeah. And this is like your thing. Like I announced boat. 
And since Brad got hurt, you kind of stepped into to the place for Brad on the Triple Crown on Monsters Triple Crown, and yeah. and 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 features only is one of the biggest events out there right now. How intense is it to announce that? It's really crazy because you are like literally there's four guys on the water and you're you're watching one and by as fast as they can do the trick you can't say it so you're on to watching somebody else while you're announcing the last trick that you just watched and then now announcing the trick that you just watched but watching somebody else do something else while you're announcing that and it really really can get crazy but you don't have to say every trick you know you're just saying the hammers but whenever you got really good guys out there like tom and chandler and you know Aaron Gunn and a bunch of these guys like it's so hard because everything is worth announcing so it's like just, hammer after hammer it's like oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah it gets you're tired it's really exhausting you, you're just like watching you're just like watching every you're just getting tired you just go, by you watching go on autopilot though you're just like your mouth just starts thinking for you and you're not even really thinking about what you're talking about that it's was just like oh there's a you know this there's a p5 there's a you know backside 270 and like before you know it it's just flowing. It's just coming out. You're not, it's what you see. It's yeah. That was some of the best advice Brad Smela ever gave me because you know, him and he, when he started announcing with me, uh, the boat events, he started at shortly after that, Billy McCaffrey from Alliance picked him up to start doing the, the triple crown. You know, you were there and Brad told me, he said, Dana, like the biggest thing, cause I, cause I've done a, a handful of events, you know, like cable stock and national points chase. So I've done a lot of features only myself so Brad, how do you do it? And, and it's basically like, just say what you see, don't second guess yourself, and just go with it. You yeah. know? Yeah. And you know, I always try to remember not to not to say too much because it's easy to say every single thing that goes on, but it makes it better whenever you say less because what you do say is the actual things that they should be paying attention right. to, and not just every little bobble or whatever. You know, so. I really try to make sure I'm only giving them the information that they should be watching and not just telling every, every, every single thing, you know, but, yeah. but that's where I don't have that ability that you do where it's, you know, you're the fax machine, you know, <laughs> you've got, you've got a list of facts way too, like five pages long for every single wakeboarder. So Wait. actually last weekend at the, at the nationals, that's where I deemed Dana, the man of the noise of the North, the fax machine. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about what are some of the best trips you've been on this year, 2015? <laughs> well, yeah, I've been out to like Cali, like I've been out to Northern Cali, like probably like four times this year. It's, yeah, up to Shasta all, at all? Um, not, not exactly Shasta. I've been out to like VIP Wake Park and Wake Island Wake Park and just bouncing all over i did like two weeks with uh trip across america with liquid force which nice. was awesome started in like uh elsinore and went up to norcal went over to utah who's Spent on the bus like, with you guys no we we did it. it was just me and a dealer and we just cruised all around the west coast because everybody gets spread apart at that time so yeah it's not like it used to be man no it's not like jumping on an rv with all the whole team and just cruising all everywhere you can go it was you know, it was more organized, and it was just yeah, you know, getting them to get on the new product. Those were the good old days, but probably less work got done, a little bit of a liability, perhaps. Yeah, the, you know, definitely way more of a liability back then. So, hey, so how many years would you say you've been like traveling now? Well, before I was even sponsored, I was traveling around with Parks when he would travel. So, I mean, I'd say since I was like twelve, so twelve it, or thirteen, I've been traveling. Every summer doing something. I'm trying Except to, last year, I didn't travel too much because I had a bad ankle injury. I'm like trying to do the math here. So it's been like over 18 years. Yeah. I mean, uh, 31. So uh, yeah, 19, 19 over years. 18 years. Can Can you even guess or do you have an idea of the amount of different places that you've been? Um, I, I have a good recollection of all the countries that I've been. It would not, be cool not, to I have wouldn't a say every single one. Like I know. If you went back and figured every single country out and I wrote them down, there would probably be like four I'd miss, like three or four that I missed. But right. like they would be because I just went through there for like a day, like where it was like maybe a so, smaller country. Yeah, like Latvia or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, like uh, I can't, I can't think of it. But Latvia is kind of like Delaware. Said, I remember somebody was like, um, I think it was Parks. They're like, uh, not Parks said this, but they're talking about Parks, and they're like, yeah, it's cool. He's like wakeboarding on all seven continents, and I was like, yeah, that is really cool. 
And then I like did the math and I was like, well, I've gotten like six of the seven. So that was pretty good. But like, I didn't even realize, I thought I maybe did like four until I did the math in my head. And I was like, well, no, I've done, I've been yeah, the, there. I've been the question there. is, is do you want to wakeboard in Antarctica? Yeah, that was the last <laughs> one, you know, so. You're like, I don't think so. I'm not into it. Uh, how, how, like, how young were you when your mom, Betty, like, let you kind of go off by yourself? Or did, was that early in the day? I know Parks was traveling with guys like Zane at, like, 14, 15. Uh, Parks was traveling around with him, but even Betty was still there. Like, I was, like, it would be me, Parks, and Betty traveling around for the most part, and good old Peter B probably stayed at home and took care of the dogs and watched after the house. But we traveled around quite a bit, and, uh... She would, you know, I would hang with her all the time, and I don't even know when it was that she eventually didn't start coming on tour with us. I mean, it probably was 17, 18, 19, I don't know. Like, she she definitely was around for a while. Yeah, well, I remember watching all the ESPN and all the old coverage, and you and Parks would do well. Your mom would always be out there with her with her big sparkly hat. I, it's been too long of a, le- of a weekend. I can't do it, but you, maybe you can. She'd be making the sound. Yeah, no, I can't <laughs> do it. I can't. I think that's a signature sound only Betty B can do. A signature Betty Boniface, uh, Betty Boniface sound. I mean, your parents were your parents are two of the, like the all time. I mean, for sure, water ski hall of famers, Cypress Garden ski show showmen. You know, they got parks out there so early and. You you were probably out on the on the water pretty early yourself. Do you do you remember your first time on the water? Not my first time on the water. I remember some of the first uh, some of the first things or some like, of the big first. Wh- like, what are some shoots. of your what are some of like your earliest recollections? I yeah, I mean, like there would be. I don't really even remember it. I remember the footage more than I remember actually being on the water. But there would be like uh, parks would have a like a Japanese uh, TV show or the new, some weird crazy news show come up because he was like the youngest skiing water. He was kind the, of like the human Twiggy. Yeah, exactly. So you know, whenever the Japanese news crews were over here in America, they needed to get a shot of Parks or whatever. But so Parks would do all of this stuff, and I remember I eventually was old enough to do it, and then I was probably at three years old. That you know, but that means Parks was at five. So I mean, they weren't getting the the baby footage that they were missing five years before that of right. Parks, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I would uh, even remember doing a lot of the ski shows at Cyprus, you know, for holidays and stuff. Like, I wasn't actually, like, uh, employed by him, but I would get to go do, you know, big big ski shows whenever there'd be, like, a celebratory ski show or an anniversary show or whatever. Yeah, they'd bring the whole family in. Just parading you and your parents and your brother around over at Cyprus Gardens, like... (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Just this is almost a decade before wakeboarding. What you're talking about right here. Do you do you remember what life was like before wakeboarding, and what, what was it like? Yeah, I, uh, I did a lot of three eventing and show skiing. Like I remember, you know, I was, you know, part of show ski teams, and I trained three event a lot. Like we had a we had a coach Chuck D that he was awesome. He is. Uh, we'd go over there like three days a week or two days a week after school and Who stuff. Who is and Chuck D? Parks always talks about him too. Chuck D, man, he was like the Chet Rayleigh of me and Parks's of area. Polk County. Yeah, you know, and Chet Rayleigh was like Darren Shapiro's coach. So. Right. Sorry, I keep moving my mic around, and, oh, I, and I know it sounds like I'm fading away. No, and no, then no. I come we're back all in all serious, but we're um, good. Chuck D was just a really good uh, show ski. I mean, a uh, three event coach, and we wanted to be sponsored for a three event and we wanted to be you know state champs and stuff so you had to go to but at the same time you wanted to show ski um i was doing i did a lot more show skiing right before that because that was like this first real competitive skiing where show skiing was like more fun skiing with all your friends and it was like okay let's build a pyramid or let's do this but i still did a little bit of show skiing yeah show skiing and three eventing two are like just completely two different yeah. animals yeah it, well one's an animal and one's a very competitive serious right want to be olympic athlete right 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 and that's right. not the show skiing. yeah yeah but show, show skiing is a heck of a good time yeah hey do you, do you still love or practice any other aspects of toad water sports or do you strictly just focus on wakeboarding um for the most part i would just say just wakeboarding and but i mean whenever it's fun and accessible i'll go barefooting or 
You'll hop something. on a trick, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I'll hop on a trick. Right and, place, right time. You know, and even it's fun going around on the cable on trick skis or shoe skis or discs or stuff like that. So whenever you're at a cable for too long is where usually I'll bust out some other things. And, yeah, you're the sole disker. Yeah, I like discing, man. I used to have that disc. I still have it. It's buried in my garage right now. I need some new foot straps, but I remember you... Uh, I remember when I moved down here and I used to bring that disc out and we used to ride it behind the boat. We used to ride it over at the cable park. That guy Aaron Gore used to get intense on the rails and stuff. <laughs> it was a, it got taken seriously for a short little period there, hey, but as it should. I mean, it's disking. Yeah, it's a good time. It's easy. Yeah. And you can just spin. It's spin to great. win. And throw some buckets. Hey, what do you remember about the first time coming up to Twin Lakes, Wisconsin and meeting like me and Rock? The first thing I sort of remember about meeting Rock is I was with um, Kelsey and Stacy, and we were at Kelsey's house, Kelsey Osamo. Yeah, Sla- the old names, the old yeah. names. So we're in there and I remember that she said that you guys were coming by because I totally would get along with you guys. Or I don't know if you were there yet, or maybe this is the first time meeting Rock. Oh, but or these maybe girls, just, these, just so everybody these knows. Sh- yeah, these you're, are show skiing girls that came a, down to. You're 11 years old probably, I'm guessing. 10 yeah, or 11 at the say, time. I would say 11, yeah. And your mom is Betty Bonifay. And at this time. Legendary you're a, show skier. A legendary show skier. And at this time of your life, you're a 10-year-old kid who can do probably a back roll and a tantrum and a 360. So you're like a hotshot wakeboarder. Well, I think this, I think I was actually about 11, 11 or 12. Cause I, I just started wakeboarding right a little bit after I turned 11. So this is when I probably would have, I might've even been up through your area. I know my mom's definitely been through the twin lakes area at the time. So Betty Bonifay and the Bonifays were no, you know, yeah, odd you, name. You guys but were welcome is, there. This was, yeah, four, like four girls that would come down to our, um, our Boniface ski, sco- uh, ski school, like all every year, you know, religiously for probably like four or five years in a row. So I was really good friends with these girls. And every year they were like, you need to meet Eric and all of our friends up there. You totally would get along great with Eric because I think I was even skateboarding at the time. And Eric was a good skateboarder and, you know, the, like just starting to get wakeboarding. Like wakeboarding wasn't even like considered like something people did yet. It was just like one of, it, it was, was like almost like kneeboarding because it wasn't quite cool like it was just right there on the fence especially for ski show you know my dad thought it was kneeboarding and my dad yeah. thought wakeboarding so was, was kneeboarding like, through was the like, you 90s along with Eric. he skateboards and he does stuff and y'all y'all are like really similar so i remember coming up there for a summer and this is probably i would be 12 because i was up there and i would have been wakeboarding by that time and it would have been the summer after like 94 worlds where that obviously kicked me onto wakeboarding because of what parks and scott byerly did there but so we're there, and yeah, I remember Eric, and I think you and Mark might have come in. I don't know, remember exactly who it was, but... We were a little more shy than Eric. Yeah, but I just remember meeting you guys and just thinking, oh my God, they are like, you don't really meet a lot of people that are exactly like you that live across the country too often, you know? So to do it and to meet you guys, and I was like, yeah, these guys are awesome. Like, So we hung out for that whole week I was up there, and... Might have yeah. even stayed a few weeks or a month or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know I made it up there numerous times. I was part of the Aquanuts, you know. Go Aquanuts, national champs. Woo. Yeah, 2015. First time in 31 years. Hey, do you remember your run with the Aquanuts? Uh, no, not at all. It really? I bet the fax machine knows, though. <laughs> so. Well, I, I don't have all the facts on this. I do remember you were part of the Aquanuts. I, remember I bet there was probably a back roll and a scarecrow in the run. Well, I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly who was in the wakeboard act, but I'm sure it was you with the name Ruck, prob- maybe Harry Mike, and Trulson. I, bet Trulson I don't know. Was in, I bet was in it. Dude, how progressive, like it for show skiing, nobody had any clue what they were seeing. Like Ruck was doing whirly birds and back mobs and Pete Rose, and he was getting beat like score wise in show skiing by guys who were doing like. 10 tantrums in a row, but like way better showmanship. Oh, you know? yeah, waving to the crowd. And Just waving to the crowd. Know, way better outfits. Yeah. Hey, uh, describe your take on Wisconsin and and what ski show skiing is all about. Um, Wisconsin well, show skiing, not not yeah, show skiing yeah. like the way you grew up in well, it. Well, show skiing, like, well, Wisconsin is made for show skiing. Like, the, the people up there absolutely love it and they'll they'll do it religiously even though they don't probably have anybody in the stands nobody comes and watches the show but there will still be a team they'll still be competing every year 
against, you know, whoever it is, the Rock Aqua Jays or, you know, like... Dropping the, names. There's the, so many of the show skewed team names to crack me up. But the people up there are awesome. They're diehard and then they don't get a lot of water time, you know, so whenever it is summer and there's a few months and it's warm enough to go get on the lake, they're they're so diehard about it. It's awesome. And what what about what about Wisconsin? I mean, you, you spent a lot of time up there as a kid, man. You know, yeah, I, I loved Wisconsin. I really do. I remember I Weinecker. Do. Remember Weinecker would call it the the Christmas tree state. And <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the babes used to love you up there. Even like like when you were like twelve or thirteen, uh, I remember like older girls were uh, always chasing uh, after you. Yeah, uh, you know, you know. Let's hear. So when when we met you were still on Conley and at this time and just to date you and myself once again they had just released the T2 and I always looked at the T2 like it was kind of made for you because you were a little guy and Parks was riding the dually and that thing was just heavy as a stone well I remember yeah I remember the I wanted a dually because Hunter Brown got a dually and got the top the an inch cut off of the nose and tail really bad I mean, like he just got it cut down an inch and I wanted one of those really bad. And I asked Conley for one and they wouldn't give it to me. And they were like, well, next year the T2 is going to be made in whatever size that was. And I was like, well, I was like really mad that they just wouldn't cut one down for me since they cut one down for Hunter. Right. And, and they- this is actually right about the same time that like, I, I think I did ride Conley for about six months or a little bit. I rode the T2 for a little while, but that was at the same time that Liquid Forest was picking me up. Too. I was going to say, so. I remember the days you came. I mean, it was literally a few months later, you're back in Wisconsin. The first time I rode a Liquid Forest was in Wisconsin. They, yeah. si- they shipped the boards there, and I remember I tested it with Rock and stuff like that. Which it, it, yep, I remember. Really I think cool, it was like that that orange free. Da- that would have dated it, yeah, to like, I want to say 90... 97, 96. Yeah. And it was the next summer that you came back. probably. It was the next summer you came back and then there was the fly and then the next summer you came back and it was the yeah. squirts started yeah. showing up. Yeah, yeah. So has anybody been has anybody been with Liquid Force as long as you have at this point? No. no. So what's it like to be one of the Liquid OGs? Oh, it feels pretty good. You know, I was actually just down at the dealer meetings and uh, hanging out with all the reps and stuff. So that was really cool. We brought out all of our, you know, 2016 product and we're all super stoked on it. You're, you, my board's on your lap right now. You're using it as a desk. So, Do you have more signature models than Murray? No, I was talking to Murray this weekend at Nationals about it and he started his um, one year before me. So I got my first pro model in 98. I think he got his in 97. What was your first pro model, the S1 or the, the Super S1. Squirt? Is that the, the, the Super mini Squirt? squirt the, the Mini, mini squirt. squirt S1. But the year before the S1, they had the Squirt, but that was kind of your board. It was kind of your sort board, of, Gator's no, board. Yeah, right? Mostly Gator's. Gator designed it, but he never signed with Liquid, so... I was pushing it along with Greg McCrass. And the the squirt was always too small for Gator, but he still wrote it good. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a wide board. A lot of big dudes could have wrote that one. Well, Shane, you know, obviously, uh, you and I have got so many stories. We'll keep this thing going for for so long, uh, chatting it up. But uh, let's take a quick break right here. Here from one of the sponsors, and we'll be right back with more with Shane Bonifay on the Golden Mike Podcast. Oh yeah. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrose handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrose on Instagram at Woodrose or check them out online at Woodrose.com. That's W-O-O-D. R-O-Z-E dot com. GoPuck is a mountable, compact, durable, and portable rapid charging battery. GoPuck allows you to stay connected, capture priceless moments, and enjoy mobile freedom. Check out their website, gopuck.com. Be sure to use my promo code, MANO2015, M-A-N-O-2015, and you'll get an extra 10% off your entire order. Well, after that message, Shane Danger, I think it's uh, I think it's about time that 
that I finally stoke one of my guests out. I haven't done this. I don't do this very often, but uh, it's been in the plan. I know all weekend long you were kind of, you were a little jealous of me and my portable power and the go puck. Oh, I'm gonna, oh, thank you, Dano. I'm going to do, do it like right this. now. Yeah, you like that? Is this, this it? This, That's it. This, oh. yeah. I'm going to hook you up. Hey, dude. man, I do like this because I did steal your uh, power source quite a few times this weekend, and I've liked the GoPuck for a, a while. I see everybody with it. You can charge your GoPros and phones so easily. So yeah, thank you, Golden Mike Podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, we're stoked to have those guys here. And uh, after that commercial break, 25th. 25th episode, I think we celebrate with a gift. I like it. It's a beautiful I'm glad thing. to be on the 25th episode then. Thank you, Go Puck. Thank you, uh, Golden Mike Podcast. Thank you, Noise of the North. Cool, man. I'm going to, hey, as, as we get into this next part, I'm going to hand you the uh, the GoPro Go Puck mount that we've got set up. Maybe. I like that. I'm going to set my Go Puck right over here, though. Yeah, we'll get you all hooked up with all the cords you need and everything there. But, you know, hold that thing for a few minutes, whatever, from your, oh, yeah. from your point of view, whenever... This stuff gets out if it gets out when we get some of the uh, video footage. People can kind of check out what well, it's I'm, like. I want you to send me a little inst- a little f- screen grab of this so I can put it on my Insta. No, no worries. We're doing. We do a photo every five seconds off that thing. Boom! So nailed it. we just nailed it. Exactly. Let's get back at it. What do you say? Yeah, I like it. Let's do it. Growing up, did you feel like people compared you to your brother Parks? Um, I, I luckily, I mean, before I ever got going, I was always in the shadows. Parks was always the, you know, the, the youngest, you know, youngest person to ever water ski. He was, you know, great at, uh, three event and I was always in his shadow and I never was like that worried about it. Cause he was always older brother and I didn't mind, you know, he was always going to be better than me at a lot of stuff. But once we started wakeboarding, I could kind of see that. He was riding a lot, you know, like, you know, the Zane and a lot of the a different type, a lot of the water skier wakeboarders, you know, and I saw, you know, Byerly and, um, you know, the whole new crew doing things a completely different way. And I kind of realized that if I did want to get recognized in this sport, I did need to do it a little bit differently than Parks, but, you know, but I think it was always great to have, you know, be in the shadows because it made me you know, reach to get out of it. How would you describe the difference between like pre pointless parks, Bonifay and, and Shane Bonifay, like the, the way it was before pointless and the way it was um, after I, it started. I clowned him a lot because I, you know, I, I actually had a little steez with me and a lot of, you know, claim from, you know, the, the cool guys in the sport. They're like, Oh yeah, no Shane's, but you know, he's, he kills it. He grabs, he's steezy, but, he doesn't wear gloves. Yeah, he doesn't wear gloves and he's, you know, he's not trying to be a water skier on a wakeboard. So at that point, I kind of realized that we were already separate and this was pretty pointless. And, but I knew it's not like I didn't think that Parks couldn't do whatever he wanted anyways. But when we started doing pointless, it was like me, Francois and Danny, and we started all doing this and we definitely, there was, there was more than one conversation on, you know, Parks isn't going to be involved with this because we're all just going to get overshadowed. So. That's and that's what I was going to ask. When when Pointless started, was Parks a no, part of it from the start? No, not even from the start. I remember. I mean, from the start of like it being called Pointless and it being like the idea of what we wanted. Yeah, he was there. But when it was like this video that we just wanted to do as kids, and it was going to have us and our friends in it, we didn't want to have Parks in it because Parks already had sections and other videos that we weren't in so we didn't want to make a video and give him you know the intersection anyways and i remember for a while i didn't think he was going to be involved with it you know so was there like animosity or sort of a rivalry between no, the two of you? we just needed to get a little we needed to get a little uh separation too, or... you know no just a little clout and give ourselves our own you know benefit of the doubt you know like I mean, if you were going to make a video and you you got, you know, any Byerly, Murray, Parks, or any of those guys to be involved with it, then it just turns into a video that you're in with them. It's their video or, you know, it was, they're, they're the ending section and they're the, you know, the star of the video. They get the cover, they get, so we, we didn't want to make a video that we were just going to be in the shadows of Parks on, so. You know, I've had a, I've had a handful of Pointless Boys on the podcast, you know, I've had Grub, I've had Chad. Uh, I've had Parks actually. This is this is pretty crazy. Parks was on my tenth episode, and now in which was the second episode of this year, 
now you're the 25th episode, so I mean, kind of milestones. Yeah. So I've heard a few different versions of this, and obviously, uh, being very close personal with Ruck, I was around when you guys started chatting about it, but I want to hear, and I want the people out there listening to the, the podcast right now to hear what, what your story on the origins of Pointless are. I mean, being the guy that's, I mean, you were the, you were the main man. Well, my origins, I think even start before a lot of those guys, because, um, I remember I had, had a small, not, not the best camera, not even like a really good one or whatever, but me and Francois were watching CKY enough and a lot of the, um, like crusty demons of the dirt and whiskey videos and things like that. Like a lot of, you know, hardcore snowboard and skateboard or motorbike or motocross videos. And we just remember thinking that we could do, we could do something similar to that. Like, Morely the CKY guys, because me and Francois were stupid at the time, so we were like, we could make a, you know, uh, you know, an immature jackass. But this is videos. before jackass, dude. This is CKY. Yeah, this yeah, is before, this is jackass. before jackass and all of that stuff. So we knew that we could do something like that and incorporate wakeboarding. But uh, so, but when when we just started filming, we didn't we didn't really know what we wanted to do. We were just filming everything. Is, I mean, I was probably. 15 16 at the time maybe even younger probably yeah 14 15 and i don't even know how it really it all came about but we just slowly got enough footage that we decided that we couldn't just not make anything and i remember danny came about and danny got his own camera and showed that he was into it and ruck like i don't remember how how it all unfolded i think eventually at one point me and francois and danny and ruck and everybody around chad and like I remember Grub, us thinking, is Grub going to be involved? Could Grub mostly wake skates, you know? And he's like, blah blah blah. Like everybody sort of had like a cutthroat moment of like, are we going to put this person involved and what? And you know, and everybody made the cut because they're all of our great friends, and you know, we knew we knew what was happening. But whenever it started, we just weren't sure. We didn't know the snowball would get that big from us just rolling it around a little bit and filming. So. What was it like when when the pointless movie came out? How did people receive it? Um, and and maybe and maybe not like the fans so much, but more or less like guys within the industry, riders within the industry. For the most part, it was received really well. People knew that we just crushed it and pushed the sports and just did something completely different. We were pretty cocky by the time it came out because we got a lot of people saying that you just made, you know, one of the best videos of all time. So we, I remember it being like somebody from Australia told me that they were like, yeah, um, I remember before I ever heard anything about Pointless, we just heard that it was this wakeboarding gang that was basically taking over the industry. And Which for some you did, people, were. well, yeah, we were, but I mean, it wasn't like a gang that we were like, you know, muscling people into putting us in the industry. It was just like, we were like crushing that hard, but it went back and forth. Like I know a lot of, uh, a lot of like top riders were sort of pissed that they either weren't in pointless or that we were getting as much credit as we were. But I mean, we were loving it. Like but you we guys knew were, we were so far, you guys were so far out of the box. I mean, maybe there were some other guys hitting jibs or rails but you guys were building stuff that seriously if something went wrong yeah you would there would be some serious consequences like there was i mean there was definitely some serious ones like i mean well megan majors didn't get that worked but there was one where i thought that she definitely broke her legs because we pulled her into one of our obstacles that we were all hitting fine and like didn't realize how sketchy it was until somebody not in the group hit it and same with Danny, Danny and Chad. Like, I mean, they were doing the biggest gap they were trying th- that we could do at the time, and they were doing this like twenty-five foot gap off of this tiny little inclined kicker out of PVC pipes. And Danny slipped and you know wrapped himself around a pipe or a four by four, and it was gnarly. But I mean, he got he didn't even get hurt, so we didn't realize how gnarly the stuff was until kind of looking back and. Seeing how safe everything's made nowadays, we're like, oh my god! Like, well, and also in those days, you guys would build the stuff, and by the time you know nowadays, you build a rail out on Clear Lake, you do a photo shoot, and all of a sudden, two two weeks before your photo shoot, some other kids got their photos out there already. You know what I mean? Yeah, they ruined it for already, you. Yeah. You guys were at a point where 
Well, first off, they even had the guts to come and hit your stuff. Nobody could. But, nobody else could hit our stuff. Though, but too, like, but yeah. you guys never gave anybody the opportunity to hit your stuff because as soon as each pointless member was done with it, as soon as you guys were done with the evolution of that rail, it was sun we goes down, yeah, light it on fire, hit it, up, hit it until the thing was ashes. Yeah, I actually forgot how many rails we lit on fire until I was doing like the 11 year anniversary of the video and went back through all this random you know, footage that wasn't in the video and really almost every rail that we made, we lit on fire. It was ridiculous. You guys were like young. There was so much stupid stuff going on in that movie that the fifties that you guys were riding on, uh, the tasers. Yeah. The tasers were a funny one. It was, uh, that was the time of our lives. I still put that as my fam my funnest point in wakeboarding. Dude, for everybody, for a lot of us, you know, that's seriously, it's, it, it definitely changed the sport and whether the kids these days know it or or don't know it and whether cable riders know it or don't know it yeah it was you and your crew that took the sport to where it's at for yeah, sure gracias Dano. well it, not just an opinion i think it's a i think it's a straight fact uh, from the fax machine himself if he's saying <laughs> that it's true well i appreciate that shane hey so i'm not going to like straight up ask you when the next movie's coming out i just want to know if you have any plans uh no, there's no plans really. We all should probably do something. We talked. We were joking about a documentary, like a pointless documentary. But Where everybody's I at think now. We need to do another video before we do a documentary. You can't just do a documentary on one video that we made. 12, you guys, thirteen years ago. You guys, oh, come on, Shane. Twelve or thirteen years ago, I remember shooting footage up in Wisconsin back in the late nineties for for Incomplete Man. Yeah. I know that was a yeah. long. It was a long project, but. Um, I think you should do it. The documentary, the pointless documentary. What could have been? Pointless. Where are we now? <laughs> if anybody listening doesn't know, Shane invented the Tootsie Roll and the Dum Dum on a wakeboard. These are two tricks. Arguably, they're some of the most popular tricks in the world for people under 20. Coincidence, Shane? Uh, no, I don't think so. Is I think the candy name has just influenced all the kids to do it, you know. It's very enticing, right? Like no, no grown adult that just started wakeboarding yesterday goes, I want to learn a Tootsie Roll, you know. Like, but little little 12-year-old Thomas Herman's like, I want a Tootsie Roll and a Dum Dum. Boom, yeah. And they're even like wanting to like one up and go, you know, Dum Dum 7s. Because I know Bob, whenever he was younger, did a Dum Dum 5. Yeah, why, why, aren't, why aren't people... You took the Tootsie... Okay. And this isn't on your shoulders because you took the Tootsie Roll and you turned it into the Dum Dum. And, okay, let me break it down for you people. Tootsie Roll. Toe side front roll. Backside 180. Backside 180. First of all, there's a scarecrow. Toe side front roll. Front side 180. So, number one, how did you learn this trick? How did you come up with it? How, how did you become, at um, such a young age, the first guy to do it? That was, okay, so I had toe side front rolls on lock. It wasn't the first trick that I learned, but I remember doing toe side front rolls a lot. And on the trampoline, I couldn't spin. I wouldn't do, like, because, like, a scarecrow is just a 180, you know, a front roll with a 180, so it's a round off. But whenever I do a round off on the trampoline, I would spin the opposite way, like a tootsie roll instead of a scarecrow. So whenever I was on the trampoline, I was doing it, I'd do that. And then somebody was watching me and they're like, Hey, you, you should try that on the water, you know, like front side, front, you know, front roll backside 180. And lo and behold, three tries later at like probably 13 years old, I, I did it. But and it, how, was, it was clearly cause nobody else ever tried it. Right. Well, I mean, if like you, I think parks, I play, I played parks heads up and this is how I invented the dum dum too. As I was playing parks, we were riding doubles and we were playing, you know, like skate, like following back to back, back to back. And I did a tootsie roll and I don't think he's ever done a tootsie roll at that point. And he went and did it his first try. So I went and tried a dum dum and I made it my first try. Actually, probably not even my first try, but I made it that time against him, like heads up, and then he fell on it. So I finally beat him on the heads up. But and what about the names? Uh, yeah, the the name, the Tootsie Roll name, I, like I doubt he'll ever cop up to it, but I think it came from Thomas Arell. Really? I think he was in the boat when we were filming for. It wouldn't have been. It might have been Highway Drifters I was or whatever. Say, the section with you. And... I think it was Highway Drifters, but we were filming with Artie from FLF or whatever. But Sideways is who made Highway Drifters. That's yeah. why I don't think it was that. It was an FLF film. But Thomas was there, and uh, 
I made the Tootsie Roll, and we were on our way back into the dock, and Thomas was, like, jokingly said Tootsie Roll, because I was so young, I think. He was, oh, like, looking song. at me, like, sarcastically. I was like, oh, yeah, you should just call it, like, a Tootsie Roll, you know? And, and I was like, <laughs> okay, Thomas, I will. And he was like, oh, you know, I didn't mean to do that. You know, like, I think he really would never say that that's how it happened, but I'm like... I'll Maybe I've just here. convinced myself over the years that that's how it's happened, but I'm pretty sure he had something to do with it. Whether it was Artie or him that said Tootsie Roll, I think he was in the boat. <laughs> hey, so, okay, so how does it feel when you're announcing and someone lands a perfectly executed Tootsie Roll or Dum Dum? Well, or- for a Tootsie Roll, I'll give, them, I'll give them props, but whenever they usually do a Dum Dum, I'll usually drop a, oh, daddy like. <laughs> yeah, well, but even even better than that, like, if they do, like, a Switch Tootsie Roll or oh, a Switch Dum Dum. You know, that's credit where credit's due. So when you, like, when you actually saw the 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 dumb is it a tootsie roll or a dum dum five or or is that just or do you call it like a blow pop i don't know what bob called it you know i mean he might have just called it a dum dum five why don't we see more people doing it you know i don't know i don't know i don't know right why get on it guys come on i think they're i think they're trying you know like i'd like to see a double tootsie you know like a front roll into a tootsie or something like right. that you know i i just i'm, I'm wondering like why like it's just a progression of the trick, you know. You 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 remember toe fives I think, are cool I think we're and just toe more sevens. Worried about other tricks. I don't think anybody's worried about the progression of the tootsie roll. I guess you're right. Yeah. I guess you're right. At the end of the day, I mean, if you do a tootsie roll seven twenty, I mean, it's just a lot it's, of trampoline well, I, work. I, I still don't think you even would anybody would even give you credit on naming it something. They'd still make you call it like a tootsie roll seven twenty, just so it starts out terrible, like starts out stupid, and then even there, you're like, yeah, but I went seven on. They're like, but it's still a tootsie roll. Like fine. But we're calling it dots. We're calling it dots. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you ever ask yourself where are my royalties on this trick? That would be nice. That would be cool if we could get some sort of royalties going. You know, you and I announced day one. You you came down to kind of get your 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 chops wet at uh, day one of nationals. You you hopped on the mic with me during uh, a lot of the amateur divisions and. By far, the amateur divisions these days, like the jun- like the junior men and um, it, even junior pro. I mean, this these are the divi- and boys division. These are where you're seeing these kids really throwing down tootsie rolls and and dum dums. And uh, I mean, you were there. You know, does that it bring back any of those memories? Because you were the I, I call you like the original Grom, the king of the Groms. I uh, man, I love to see, I love to see the like going to nationals and seeing how many Groms are shredding. Because I have been doing a lot of like, there's a you know there's the Super Grom division at the Triple Crowns and stuff, and there's a lot of kids out there riding. But when you go to nationals, you actually really see how many younger kids are out there at the contest, and it is inspiring because, yeah, geez, like seriously, like. 15 years ago i was exactly them like yeah it, it is weird it is 15 like and they're, they're not even 15 that means like before they were even alive i was there wakeboarding at the same like doing the same exact thing and now some of these kids are like doing like sevens yeah. and 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 like doubles the level of progression is crazy too like the kids how good they are wakeboarding especially some of the ones that just ride cable all day like the Stucky brothers and those little guys, like it's just crazy. Brett Powell, like they're there's they're so fearless. It's awesome. You know, you know, speaking of the cable, man, what do you think? You know, back when we were younger, it, the cable was one of those things we kind of looked at, like, ah, oh, we'll do that for fun. I mean, I feel like we never really took that it, that serious, probably even up in 05, 06, 07, we just really didn't really all take it that serious. You go out there, you know, hey, we're riding the cable, but how how impressive is it how far cable has come? Well, I think it had a lot to do with, okay, so the the distance that wakeboarding made it whenever it was, it when when we brought it with Pointless, how we brought it from one stage to another, that was us like self-making the, the the sport expand you know showing people how high how far we could progress and what we could do and for a while with the cables we didn't i don't think a lot of people saw the benefits of turning a cable into a wake park to see if it would be beneficial you know what i mean until after long enough after the pointless video came out and after we did that did 
somebody that owned a multi-million dollar p- complex go, oh, wait, hold on. Maybe we can put some dangerous stuff out there and still make it beneficial, beneficial. But so I don't think anybody <clears throat> back in the day, like even though we've had cables around since, you know, the 80s or, or you know, even earlier than, that, like, earlier than that, I think 70s, 60s, whatever, like they've had the cables, but it's like. It didn't. It, it it took somebody taking a big risk to see if that was beneficial on the cable, which was Sessitech and those guys, you know, Pat Panakos and how they set up a lot of those System Two events and a lot of stuff to show that the cable was, you know, beneficial for all of us and it would help grow all of the whole sport, not just one little corner of it. You're going back to like the pointless days, I remember in Incomplete, there was that, and Colin was on one of, Colin Harrington was on one of my last episodes, and we chatted about that huge gap that Chad Sharp also hit. That was an insane gap. It was the old um, Pro Tour slaughter box for, off of a kicker, and you guys did it behind a boat. In your minds, did you ever think like, hey, let's do this on the cable? Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's exactly what I mean. It's like us, it took us doing it on the boat, and then us having then somebody else having enough time and you know efforts to do it on the cable to actually realize it was easier on the cable than it was you know being pulled behind a boat i mean i think we always thought it was easier doing stuff behind the boat because that's just where we rode most often but until until we built big enough stuff on the cable or on system twos did we all realize that it would be easier there even 10 years ago did you see cable be coming to where it's at now I mean, if you would have let me do what I wanted at the cable 10 years ago, yeah, I definitely would have, you know, like I, I remember getting kicked out of OWC enough times or, you know, being yelled at because we would take benches or, you know, we would hit rails coming out of the lake. Like we would take rails that were just sitting on shore and direct them so you could take a crazy, crazy edge through one of the corners and hit the rail and we would get in trouble for sliding picnic tables and sliding benches and rails outside of the, you know, just whipping in and doing things. And we would get trouble at the parks. So, I mean, I saw, I saw a future there. I didn't know it turned into what it, what it, what it is now, but. I mean, you're one of the original main boat riders. You're a guy that seriously made boat riding what it is today. And I, and I don't mean to like sit here and give you the stroke, Shane, you know, you're <laughs> I, I, obviously we're like old friends here and I'm not trying to kiss your butt, but I'm just saying there's, certain things that you did coming into your adult ages that definitely helped take the sport to where it is. People looked at you, you were, you were one of the guys pushing the sport. You were one of the guys, you know, taking it in, in that new school uh, direction behind the boat. But now it's no secret. You lost your boat sponsor a few years ago and it's become a lot easier for you to ride at OWC and you're at, you know, Orlando Water Sports Complex three or four or five days a week. Would you consider yourself more of a cable rider now than a boat rider? Uh, I would say, yeah, I'd definitely say I'm riding more more cable than boat. I ride a lot of, I still ride a lot of boat and still enjoy it a lot, but I don't try to progress on the boat the same way as I do on the cable, you know. I'm trying to learn double flips and, you know, keep it, keep it pushing in that same direction as just, gnarly rails and doing the events you know like harbor reach and plastic playground and feast and things like this are you competing behind the boat in any events anymore uh, i did bro stock and i got into the finals made you know i think i got six so i mean i'm not i'm not terrible behind the boat but i just don't i'm not i don't really go i don't do the wake to wake stuff as good as harley and dowdy and bob and Phil and Rusty and you still you know, do with everyone, a unique so. style of your own though. Yeah, I like I like doing photo shoots and stuff behind the boat. I don't like competing behind it. It's more fun just to do what I want because my whatever I want is usually not going to win the contest. It's it's a little a little bit different than what they're doing. A moment ago, you you mentioned Brostock. Uh, you've been a part of Brostock since day number one. Describe what it has meant to you over the years. Uh, it's meant. Um, it's been an awesome weekend out of the whole summer that everybody gets to relax and not take it as serious as some of the other events where it's, you know, it's everybody just hanging out and having a good time. Everybody from different sponsors and different, you know, brands getting together just to have one big fun double up event. And we, you know, ask a bunch of other people to come boating during that same weekend. So it's, it's morally, 
because it started out as us wanting to show the industry that Liquid Force has fun on our product shoots and that it's not all serious and all, hey, we're, you know, elite, you know, nobody's drinking, being up at this time, we're not having fun, it's a work weekend, but, you know, we're out at Lake Powell, like, having a blast showing so, the reality of yeah living, living the lifestyle so we wanted to show everybody that that's how a company could be ran and still be successful and you know 10 years later that was the 10 year anniversary of bro stock and it just shows how successful it can be whenever you actually have fun at it is it as insane as it seems because you know i've never actually that's one event that i've never been to uh parts of it it can be you know i think if you're rolling around with the right guys it can be pretty uh pretty wild but it doesn't mean that everywhere you go is insane partying. But, yeah, there's definitely some good times to be had. I'm bummed that I've never been, but you at the same get out time. there, man. Come on. At the same time, I'm like, whew. <laughs> You're dodging a bullet every summer, too. Cause it takes know. It takes about four days to recover from it because it's, you know, four days of drinking. So it's a, it's a, it's a stiff competition. On and off the water. <laughs> uh, so you've definitely been able to do some cool things throughout your career. And skydiving in some six spots is one of those things. I was watching something recently and I saw some footage of you skydiving over Dubai, over like that big palm tree island. Yeah. What was that like? That was pretty sick. That was, um, I want to say... Parks and Grub and somebody else. I there's, a, there's a few of us that all got to go jump that uh, year. and Maybe not Parks. I forget who it was. It was a good solid squad. But, yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, you can see the footage. It's uh, on my YouTube video called Son of the Entertainment Director, which is an homage to Peter B. Yeah, the Son of the Entertainment Director. Is that what your yeah. dad was considered? Yeah, he always uh, self, self-represented himself as a, uh, you know, entertainment director at at cyprus or just in life just in, general? in life is general like all the ski students whenever everybody be like sitting around having fun he'd be like well guys as the entertainment director i will let you know that it is hot tub time and let me tell you a little bit about this and by this i mean that and by that i mean this um how, how different is dubai Compared to like events in Dubai, compared to events here, or just wakeboarding in Dubai compared to wakeboarding here. Um, it's it's odd. Like, I mean, it's not it's not crazy. Like, a lot of people think it's just absolutely insane. But I mean, I didn't go there by myself and have to take public. You know what I mean? It's not like I went and actually seen the city for what it is i was there with a big group of guys and we all traveled there for wakeboarding and wakeboarding facilities are insane there yeah wakeboarding facilities are insane it was it was great like the cable park there is awesome it's like a swimming pool it's like chlorine fed beautiful super clear perfect ph balance water you know and all the obstacles are awesome and it's nice and hot in the middle of the desert but a lot of people think like the abu dhabi or dubai is just like an you know, a really crazy spot to go to because of At you know, the religion and all of that stuff. But it's not that bad. It's cool. I liked I liked traveling over there. It's worth just going to see all the crazy buildings and stuff. I hope to make it over there uh, eventually one day. I'm sure you will. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, another uh, sick experience of yours that I'm thinking about is you flying with the Blue Angels. And I, I can't remember. I know you the video that you just talked about, Son of the Entertainment Director, I know they opened the video up with yeah. some of the footage from that but i'm not sure if it was the parks roast or, or one of the double up or nothing videos or something where you actually get to see more of the footage of you flying with the blue I, angels I have the, I have the tape somewhere maybe I that's like, where i saw it was yeah. with you sitting here one day but i know that I, there, I definitely saw video footage that was a lot more graphic at one point yeah, than the no, footage. Yeah, it's definitely, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, I got to go up in the jet with him for 45 minutes. We got to break the sound barrier. You know, I pulled like seven Gs. And you took a couple just, of naps. I definitely passed out like four times. I puked twice, once in the air, once when I landed. Like it was a full on, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, How did you earn that experience? Because nobody really, like... That was normal. Um, people don't get that experience. No, no, no. That was because me and Murray won Parks's Double or Nothing challenge. Like I got best trick, and he won biggest hair. So for that, me Parks and him all got to go up in the Blue Angels jets. 
What if you didn't want to do it? I mean, I didn't realize what it was. I thought I sort of thought it was just going to be like an intense roller coaster, you know, like a really wild roller coaster. So I wasn't even that like ex- excited to do it. And I almost even let my grandfather, like, uh, or not my grandfather, my uncle Paul do it because he was like freaking out all morning, like, oh boy, y'all are going to get to go up in the Blue Angels, like, and freaking freaking out so i was about to let him do it but he's had neck surgery before and they won't let him do it but and then once i got there and sort of saw the jets i was like no i want to go up in these anyways that's a once yeah you you definitely don't get that opportunity much no 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 no. that one you don't get that opportunity that one a lot of people can go jumping out of the the above the palm islands you know that's pretty cool but to go and do the baja 1000 or to get up in the blue angels air jet that's not that's not something people. No, man, you got to take advantage of these things. I don't know. Like I try to take advantage of all of my situations too, but I just don't know that I could. Like, what if I would have freaked out three minutes into that flight? You know, bring me down. Those guys aren't bringing you down. You're up there. Well, for you 45. actually have a lever on the right side of your chair that you can pull, and it, it's an ejection seat. So if you were that scared, you could have just pulled your ejection seat. Yeah, I think I'd be more scared to pull my ejection seat, but then how much would that cost you? Probably, probably about would half a million a dollars. Bit, yeah, I can't imagine that being cheap. Hey, so what inspires the facial hair, Dange? Um, the girlfriend. My girlfriend won't let me cut it. You love it, dude, but you've always had these great different like stashes and beards, and you'd never have known, because, dude... I know, it's just because I've always, you know, like uh, all the legends have good facial hair, all of them, you know, so... Once I got it old enough, I got my man hair, and now it's growing in pretty thick, so it's good. Like, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can hear that out there. But, dude, I, I look at it, and it's funny, and I'm in in a totally like I'm your bro way. I've known you forever. You take off your shirt, dude. You don't have a single chest hair. I got a few now. I've yeah. been drinking whiskey long enough. Though. There's a few little chest hairs on there. 31 years old. You don't have a single chest hair, but you got like the burliest beard in the industry. It's just because I've been growing it for so long. It doesn't grow in very thick. It's just been growing for like a year and a half or whatever. So, hey, man, congratulations. Thank you. I like it. I like it. So does the lady. So, I got to, I got to congratulate. Thank you. Thank you for letting me grow this big, long beard. Yeah, it's nice. I got, I always got to congratulate my guests on at least one thing. Congratulations to Shane on his beard and congratulations to Paige. On Shane's beard. Yeah, thank you, baby. <laughs> um, my sponsor, your cousin, Joe Strauss, Hungry Boards SUP. I don't know if you even know this guy, but Joe is a great guy. He's one oh, of your guy. he's one of your cousins from up there in North Florida. What's the deal, Bonifay, Florida? Is that seriously your family's town? Yeah, yeah. They uh, like uh, the. I mean, to try to keep a long story short, uh, the Spaniards before. Florida was part of America. The Spaniards owned it, and the Spaniards gave it to the Bonifays because they were about to lose it in the big treaty or whatever. So they were like, Bonifays, take a bunch of land because we're going to lose all of it here in the next little bit, and you've hooked us up and been the law, or like, because they were basically the law in that area for a while and made sure, you know, things didn't get broke. So they were like, here, take, take this land, and there's like three three areas up there. There's Mariana, Bonifay, Bonifay, Florida, I mean, uh, Marianne, Florida, Bonifay, Florida, and I think Two Egg, Florida. And these are all basically your family, so. Yep. So we, when, we've been here since before Florida was Florida. So when do you and Parks head up and become like mayor, governor of these towns? Um, You know, as soon as this wakeboarding career dies out, I'm going to go up there and just, you know, reign supreme. So you do have like a 25-year plan. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> let's for o- sure. Let's hope another 25 years. Shane, what's the agenda 2015 and we'll go like post-Surf Expo? Let's see. What do I even got after Expo? There's the, there's another Triple Crown the weekend after that up in Terminus that I'm going to go up and announce and compete in. Hopefully, main goal this summer was to announce myself onto the podium. And uh, let's say uh, that might be my last chance, depending on if I go over to Dubai or Abu Dhabi for that Worlds, WWA World, Wake Park Worlds or whatever. So... There's still some things still on the plate. I want to do some more filming, a lot more little photo shoots and stuff, but it's been a busy summer, you know? Just relax. About to get my new board here at Expo, so 
start filming and shooting on that. I'm excited about it. Me too, man. I'm I'm definitely uh, stoked. I'm it's comfortable. Uh, it's a comfortable table for today. It's the Shane Bonifay dose right there. Is this is this a uh, prototype or does this thing just have no fins? That thing is uh, it's going to come finless, but uh, it is a prototype. Beautiful. So it's both. Beautiful. Well, I appreciate it. How can we follow you, mate? Uh, follow me at uh, on Instagram at with Shane Bonifay. Twitter is at Shane Bonifay. Facebook, I'm pretty sure it's just Shane Bonifay. I get a fan page. Hit me up there, whatever. Um, and otherwise, I think that's about it. Cool, man. How about a little sponsor love? Yeah, thank you to uh, big thanks to Liquid Force, Wakeboards, obviously, um, Monster Energy Drinks, Jet Pilot, Spy, Pointless. You know, it's uh, it's all good. Very cool. Family love, anything? Oh, yeah. Mama, you know, Betty B, Peter B, Uncle Paul, Parks, Paige. Thanks for, hey, blood. Blood's in the back room, probably freaking out. Yeah, probably. We'll go let him out. Turn that AC on. It's getting a little hot in here. Dig it. All right, Shane, thanks so much for having me, dude. Painless, right? Hey, no, thank you, Dana. This is awesome. I've been wanting to do the Golden Mike podcast for a while. I'm uh, glad we're both in town and glad our voices weren't too sore from announcing all last weekend well there it is man i'm stoked i'm st- i'm stoked for all of those exact same same reasons and i'm stoked to have had you here with me on this 25th episode now listeners you guys hang tight because i'm gonna be right back to close this show out but first i wish you could hear you because i know you're all clapping for the one and only shane danger bonifay here on the golden mike podcast oh yeah thank you guys SeaDeck is the leading manufacturer of a range of comfortable and durable EVA non-skid products for the marine industry. Working with the manufacturing leaders in towed water sports boats, SeaDeck has redefined non-skid flooring. No more stinky carpet or hard rubber mats. SeaDeck provide exceptional non-skid, a luxurious feel, and because it can be customized to your specification, a unique look that will set your boat apart from the crowd. For a more in-depth look and for more information, visit at cdeck.com and you have the perfect addition to your boat shane bonifay the 25th guest and i think it was fitting you know, shane's so cool he's so old school but he was like the original grom he's like the king of the groms he's been at it for so long wakeboarding and the lifestyle it's like second nature and his stories are so great he's seen it all And honestly, we could have three more episodes just like today. And who knows? Maybe we will. It's an honor to work with Shane, and it was an honor to work with Shane at the 2015 National Championships of Wakeboard Action. And he brings so much history to the event. And sometimes I don't even know if people realize it, but hey, that's what the Golden Mike podcast is for, right? Right. Right, right, right. So hey, y'all. You know your feedback is always welcomed and encouraged. Please shoot me a note through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com or message me at the Golden Mike Facebook page. Again, I'm on Twitter. Follow me at the Dano T. Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. Also on Instagram at Dano T. Mano. And I always appreciate those follows. Thank you to Shane Danger Bonifay. And now a few shout outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to Performance Ski and Surf, Perfski.com, Hydra Fenders, Hungry Boards SUP, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, Sea Deck Marine Products, Go Puck, Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. That's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Lamano. And you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.